You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Lord was putting on a word on my heart this week, and I kept hearing uh, the repair of broken things, the repair of the breach. And so if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. If you're not, if you don't have your Bible, don't worry, we've got it on the screen behind us. But 2020 was a year of loss. Am I right? Some of you have lost friends, family members, loved ones. Some lost jobs. Some lost things. The church certainly lost momentum. My goodness, I can tell you that I remember sitting in uh, our Acts 2 journey meeting. We were looking at our core values, and we were looking at our plans for the future. We had 15 of our volunteer leaders sitting at a table, and we were talking about the future and what God wants to do. And all of a sudden, just like that, you know, everything came to a screeching halt, and now it's hard to get people out to want to worship or get out to do anything. And so it feels like you lose steam. It feels like you've lost time, energy, effort. It feels like you've lost effectiveness. But I'm praying for this year. And, it, you know, every time we come to the beginning of the year, we talk about what's the vision for this year. Pastor, what's the grand vision and, and scheme of things? And I've never been a person that's been a rah-rah, you know, let's talk things up and let's, uh, you know, imagine something uh, out of the realm of reality. I've always been a very realistic person, uh, sometimes to my own detriment. But the thing that I want to see in my heart, this is my vision for 2021, that we would uh, see the restoration of things that have been taken and the restoration of things that have been broken, that we would see a restored effectiveness, that we'd see people saved and baptized and transformed by the power of the gospel, that we would see ministries at work, that we would see our people not fearful but faithful and serving God and seeing what he wants to do. That's my heart for this year, that we would see God do great things in our midst. And the Lord is going to put us back on track for this year. I truly believe that. But let's take a look at Isaiah 58, because in this chapter, it says that Lord, uh, that he will make you into a repairer of the breach or the builder of a wall. Not that wall, but the builder of the wall. And the, the one who opens up uh, roads and inways to, and highways to certain things. And so I want us to think about that today, that the Lord wants us to be able to repair that which is broken. And so let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 58. Now I want to give you a little background on this. Isaiah is a prophet. You might say, duh, pastor, I knew that. But Isaiah was a priest first, a priest who served the Lord faithfully. And God called him while he was in ministry to the Lord, uh, while in the temple and doing God's work. And it's a unique sort of situation because not many priests ended up being prophets in the Old Testament. Sometimes there were two different roles, uh, more often than not. But he is called and he preaches in the northern kingdom of Israel. If you don't know what that is, there are 12 tribes of Israel, 10 in the north of the nation, and then two in the south. The northern nation was called Israel. The southern nation was called Judah. And Isaiah is prophesying to the, the 10 tribes in the north, the northern kingdom of Israel. And uh, Israel is experiencing an unprecedented period of prosperity. where They are wealthy. They have need of nothing. They are doing very well. But there is also an inequity that's going on there. There are, there are things that are happening. There's oppression of the poor. There's take advantage of their fellow man. There are things that are happening that are not right and not just. And Isaiah is called into this to 
preach and proclaim and to call out that which is not right in the nation's activities. So let's take a look at that together today in Isaiah 58, beginning in verse 1. And it says, Shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, and declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know about my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. We have fasted, they said, and you have not seen it, you meaning God. Why have we humbled ourselves and you, God, have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends, look at this, with quarreling and strife and in striking each other with fists. You cannot fast the way that you're doing today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only one day to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the kind of fast I have chosen? Now, he goes in to talk about, this is the kind of fast that I want. To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide to the poor wanderer shelter? And when you see the naked, clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you'll call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he, meaning God, will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, underline that. Hello? If we do away with oppression... If we do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk, it says, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins they will raise up age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets with dwellings. Amen? Let's talk about today, repairing broken things. If you've ever had to do this, you know that there are times where things get broken and they need to be restored and they need to be fixed. And there are times where we have the skill to do it, and there are times when we don't have the skill to do it, we have to call someone else to help us with that. So I want to share with you just a few points from Isaiah 58 about what we need to repair broken things. Now, broken things in our life could be broken trust, broken relationships, broken witness for God, uh, broken effectiveness, broken religion. All these things can be things that are broken in our lives currently. So how do we go about doing this? We see that Isaiah is calling out uh, a religious kind of attitude a self-righteous kind of spirit that was present in the people of Israel. So the first thing we do to repair broken things, we do it by realizing what is broken. You've got to realize what is broken. And I'm going to grab my water over here because I had one on the platform and I don't know where it went. 
because the Lord knows I talk a lot, and I need something to uh, quench my thirst. But you've got to realize what is broken. And so the first four, four verses talk a little bit about that. And sometimes it takes someone to point out that something's broken. For example, if you've ever driven your car, and your car has a strange sound in it, but you've gotten used to the sound, and you're too cheap to fix it, and you don't want to know what's going to cost to fix it, you just kind of ignore it, or get used to it. Am I right? But then you have a friend in the car, and you're like, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like your suspension's gone. That sounds like your brakes are almost done. And so someone else has to kind of point out, you should probably get that looked at and taken care of. Or when someone has an old pair of shoes with a hole in it, and they, instead of buying new shoes, they'd rather just put duct tape over the hole. Amen. Yes, Pastor, I hear that. I receive that. Or when your spouse points out something that's in desperate need of repair in your house, and you just kind of like, well, I'll get to it. Eventually, I'll fix it. But sometimes you need someone to remind you, hey, that's not right. It's not supposed to sound that way. It's not supposed to smell that way. It's not supposed to look that way. And then you go, okay, well, maybe I should do something about that. The Lord is using Isaiah to point out what's broken. And he deals with the people's fasting. The people saw it as religion, but God saw it as rebellion. Think about that. He says, in your rebellion. People are like, well, we're fasting. We're doing what's right. God, we're doing the right thing, aren't we? He says, no, your fasting is not religion. You think it's religion. You think you're honoring me by fasting. But what you're doing is actually rebellion. The reason why he said that is because of how they were living outside of the fast. What they were doing to their fellow man. How they were living privately. That's what God sees and God notices. The Lord, they thought they were following the Lord, but they really weren't. The Lord says, they seem eager to know my ways. They act as though they're a nation that does right, but they've forgotten my ways. And they were acting sinfully while fasting and pretending to be faithful. But God sees through the charade. He says, you exploit your workers. You live how you please. You you follow after your pleasures, even though you're fasting on this day. You argue and you fight. You quarrel with each other. You strike each other with fists. The Lord knows today that we see Christians yelling at each other, pointing fingers at each other, being upset with one another. And probably if we were in the same room, we might even get a little incensed and fight with them because we're so worked up about the way things are and the way we we think should be. Well, how should we actually be? Isaiah says, this is not the way to please God. So you repair broken things by recognizing, first, someone points out that it's broken. Secondly, by rejecting broken mindsets. Verse 3. They say, God, why don't you answer us? God, why don't you guide us? You know, we fasted and you haven't answered. We've humbled ourselves and you haven't seen it. Well, that's a problem right there. Like if, okay, pride says, look at me. Humility says, don't pay attention to me. I'm not important. But they're saying, God, we've humbled ourselves. Why don't you notice how humble we are? And that's not humility when you think about it, really. If you have to go, like, has anyone noticed how humble I am? Look how good I'm doing. Look at the thing. Listen, can I tell you, too, when we're, we're doing things generously for others, when we're helping out others, let's not look at it as an opportunity to put it on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and say, look what I did. I fed the homeless. Look what I did. I gave to this. Why don't you let your work speak for themselves and let God honor you? 
at the end of the day, as Jesus said, like when it came to praying, it's like if you're like the Pharisees and you're praying out loud in the public square and drawing attention to yourself and you fast and you make yourself look all haggard and everything like that and you tell people, I'm fasting. You go, Paul, you look tired. I know, I'm just, I'm just fasting so, so hard. How, many, how much have you fasted? Oh, lunch. <laughs> and I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it in. And so, like, it's, the Lord's like, you've received your reward already. If you wanted man's recognition, you got it. Congratulations. But if you want God's recognition, don't do it for other people to notice you. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Now, there was one required day of fasting that the whole nation of Israel had to participate in. And it was on the Day of Atonement, the day in which they would offer the blood sacrifice for the sins of people. And on that day, all the nation, young and old, were all required to fast. So there was this one day of required fasting. And there were other fasts that were called for, whether it be by the king or by the priest, but they weren't established in regular fasts. They were occasional fasts. And so this Day of Atonement kind of became a habit for them. It became a ritual for them. They would come and they would fast and they would offer their sacrifices before the Lord and they would worship in the temple. But when they went home, they just went home and did the same thing that they always did. And they settled into a form of religion that was devoid of any real devotion. They had fasting, but not faithfulness to God's commands. They had prayer, but no purity. I want you to understand that like, if we want to see God move on our behalf, we have to remember that our prayer must be paired with uh, purity. Our uh, fasting must be paired with faithfulness. We must demonstrate to God that we truly mean what's there for. Because if we're just doing it to do it, then what we're seeing is what it actually is is just a ritual. It's just something we do. I do it because I'm supposed to do it. Like going to a church on Christmas and Easter. I do it because I'm supposed to do it. At least I hope you go on Christmas and Easter. But how many know there's more than just Christmas and Easter? you're supposed to go to, and you're supposed to gather together in the Lord's name. They had a sense, think about this, that they had this one day of fasting and prayer, and because they did it, like, they had a sense of entitlement about them. They're saying, you know, listen, Lord, we're, we're, we're righteous here. We're doing the right thing. God, why aren't you blessing us? Why aren't you helping us? And a broken mindset is a mindset that uh, we tend to think that I'm entitled to something, or God works for me, or if I do this, God, then you should do that for me. And it's a broken understanding. A, a self-righteous religious mindset is a broken mindset. It, it does no difference in the world we live in. It doesn't change people's hearts, and it doesn't change us at all. That's a broken mentality. When you think of God in that way, when you think of worship in that way, that's not worship. That's uh, a this for that. Our relationship with God is not quid pro quo. Like, God, I'll do this if you do this for me. Like, we're somehow trading and bartering with a child. You know how you, like, beg your child to do things when they're little? You're like, if you do this, I'll give you a piece of candy. If you do this, you know, your bedtime can be a half hour later. You know, we kind of barter with people. And sometimes we'll do that with God. God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And the funny thing is, like, think about the times you got into trouble. Uh, not you, but other people, because I know you don't get in trouble, okay? But if you've ever been in a desperate situation where you're like, you know, God, I need to get out of the situation, and maybe this was even before you were a Christian and before you were saved, like, God, if you get me out of this one, if I don't go to jail, you know, if they don't you know, arrest me on charges, I promise I will go to church every Sunday, and I promise I'll feed the poor, and we make promises to God, and you know what happens? We get out of the situation, like, ah, hey, God, you know, uh, 
talk to you later. I'll see you around. And we don't follow through on that. So we are not faithful in that regard. Fixing a broken mindset is harder than fixing a broken car or piece of furniture because it requires you to change patterns and behaviors and the way that you think and the way you act. If you don't realize what you're doing is wrong, then you'll never think that it needs fixing. It takes God to point out the broken mindset in order for us to see things clearly. Amen? Thirdly, we repair broken things by resisting the urge to argue. Verses 3 and 4, the, Isaiah, through Isaiah, the Lord points out all the ways they were failing the Lord. They exploited their workers. You know, there's people that were the haves, and there was people that were the have-nots. And it's because the bosses and the laborers and the vineyard owners, uh, they would uh, have their workers, but they would take advantage of them by not paying them what is fair. Or they would work them too hard. Or in some cases, uh, they wouldn't treat them well at all. He also says that your fasting ends with quarreling. You fight and strike fists at each other. Can you imagine that ending your fast by fighting somebody? Like you roll out of here on Wednesday night. And by the way, Wednesday night we had a wonderful time of prayer here at the church. God's presence felt. We felt the, the, the presence of God tangibly in the room. And that's such a wonderful time of prayer. Can you imagine getting into a political argument in the parking lot and punching somebody because, like, you're upset? Now, granted, when you fast, you're kind of hungry anyway, so maybe you get a little hangry uh, when you've been fasting, hungry and angry. Uh, but he says, you know, your, your fast can't end this way. You can't have fasting and quarreling and expect that God's going to hear your voice, that God's going to listen to your prayers. Kind of sounds like the world that we live in today. They would accuse, debate, gossip, and point fingers at each other. Christians fighting Christians instead of loving one another. They argue, fight, and accuse, and even slander one another. You're not a real Christian if you don't do this or if you don't believe that. You're apostate, you're, you're hypocritical. You know, think about it. It's like when we fight with each other, when we slander each other, when we come down on one another, it's not helpful. Have you ever worked on a repair project with someone impatient and we're not a good teacher? I remember growing up and, like, there's people in my family who will remain nameless for the sake of protecting the guilty. Um, <laughs> that, like, you, like, they would say, I want your help to, do, to fix this, or I need your help to put something together. And then you work with them, and they yell at you because, one, they're frustrated by the fact they don't know how to fix it. And, two, they're frustrated that you don't know what you're doing. Now, granted, you're just a pair of hands, Okay. I don't know anything. I'm a kid. I'm just there. So, like, you know, when you want to help somebody, you're like, okay, I'm here to help. And they'll, no, not like that, like this. And don't hold it that way. Hold it this way. And, you know, what ends up happening is, like, as that comes out, you frustrate not only yourself, but the people that want to help you. So that doesn't get fixed or repaired or restored in any way, shape, or form. Why? Because we're so consumed with fighting each other instead of actually fixing something. A good boss, a good teacher, shows you how it's done with patience and instruction, instead of yelling at you for something you don't know. Now, I've tried to model this with my son. I don't always do a good job with that, is that when you know, there's something that needs fixing or I'm trying to do something on a car, I try and show him and walk him through. And there's times where he may not know what I'm doing or understand it, but I do my best to try not to get frustrated and yell, and uh, you know, he can tell you whether that is actually happening or not. 
but I try because I want, like, I want you to know. I want you to learn. I can't get mad at you for what you don't know. And so the way we fix things is by communicating, showing them, modeling it for them what needs to be done. By the way, when we're yelling at someone, when we're so easily frustrated with our family and our friends, it shows that the thing that we're working on is not the only thing that's broken. There's something in here that's broken. We're broken. We're frustrated by life. We're frustrated by things that don't go our way. We yell at inanimate objects as though they have any say in the matter. You kick the door, you kick the tire, you yell at the thing, you know, the, the wrench that you turned and busted your knuckle on. We get mad at those things as though somehow they had some say in the matter. They had nothing to do with that. But yet we get mad at that. So what's going on? It's really not the thing that's broken that we're working on as the only thing broken. There's something broken inside us that needs fixing too. Sometimes we're the broken ones. Verse 4 ends with them telling them, that, with uh, the Lord telling them they can't fast this way and expect God to hear them. They have to change the way they communicate and treat each other in order to communicate with God. Think about that. We have to change the way that we communicate with one another so that nothing gets in the way of the communication with God. So that when we pray, God hears us. What did Jesus say? He said, uh, if you go to the altar with your gift and you have something against your brother, what does he say to do? He said, just keep offering it. He says, no, go make it right with your brother and then come back and offer your gift. So what does that tell me? Is that the horizontal relationship, if it's not right, will interfere with the vertical relationship with God. So we need to make sure that that's right. You still with me today? You're just clicking along here. Number four, we repair broken things by returning to God's instructions. Verses five and six. When repairing something, some of us just skip the instructions entirely, don't we? Like the only time you actually look at the instructions or the instruction manual is like, it's broken, why is it broken? It's not working, why is it not working? And then we read the manual. And we go through it. Or there's times where we're trying to fix something and we half read it. You ever done this? You like half read the, the manual. You're not really following the instructions. You're just looking at the diagrams, which by the way, sometimes I will say that not all the instructions come from the United States. I'll just leave it at that. And there are times where you look at the instructions and the pictures and you're like, I swear that that's the right one. But inevitably, I always put together a cabinet and the, the wood edge is backwards after I put it all together and I got to take it apart and do it over again. So sometimes we don't always read the instructions well and we think we're doing the right thing, but we're actually not. And we have something that looks like what it's supposed to look like, kind of, but not really. And this can happen in our faith also. We can have the wrong perception of Christianity. And Isaiah points out to the people that they've been fasting in the wrong way. He says, listen, you've been fasting and is this the kind that I've chosen for them? Only a day to fast and humble themselves? Only one day to bow in uh, sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? And then he says, this is the kind of fast I want. The kind of fast that I want is the one that uh, looses the chains of injustice, that unties the cords of the yoke and sets the prisoner free and breaks the yoke of bondage. And so he's saying to them, listen, you're fasting the wrong way. Let me show you the way that you ought to do it. And this comes back to like a good instructor. And God, who, who is full of his grace and mercy, thanks be to God, that he takes time for us and has and points out to us where we're wrong. And he does so in grace and love. You know, that we would be doing the right thing finally in God's sight. And sometimes God brings people into our life to correct us. 
we don't like that ministry very much anymore. We're like, we don't like God's correction. <laughs> Not by a slice. We're like, give me some of that encouragement, but leave off the correction. It's like eating dessert at the buffet. I know, buffets, they were a thing they used to be, for those of you who are living in a time warp and have forgotten what life is like since the quarantine. But there was a day where, like, you could go up and you could get as much dessert as you want. But you would overlook, like, the green beans and the salad and the vegetables. And we like more of the encouragement. And that's what I feel like it's like in the church. It's like, give me more encouragement but less correction. Give me more uh, feel-good and less instruction. But the truth is, what's going to benefit us in the long term is when someone points out to us, listen, that's not right. That shouldn't be the way it is. And shows us the way to do it and to follow it. So Isaiah calls out the wrong way that they're fasting. He said the right way of fasting is this way. Do it this way. Choose to, to have a fast where you take care of one another, where you, you pair up your fasting with care for someone else. Repair broken things, number five, by remembering your neighbor. So he says, okay, this is how you fast, and so I want to tag on something to this fasting. By the way, this is not a fasting message, okay? We just happen to be talking about fasting. We just got done with our week of fasting and prayer. So you've probably already done this, and, and you may even be sitting here and saying, well, I don't need this message I fasted this week. But so did the people in Isaiah 58, right? They, they were fasting. But the key is, is like what you do after the fast, what you do after you've been uh, faithful and you've observed these things in the sight of God. And so he goes, I'm going to take it one step further. He says, use what you don't use to bless your neighbor. Verses 7 through 10, he said about this fast, is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, you clothe them. And do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. He's speaking of their countrymen. That there are times that in Isaiah's day, that if someone was in debt, a fellow countryman, they took them as slaves. Something that was completely forbidden by Jewish law. And that they weren't supposed to do that. Or they would work them unfairly, or put unfair conditions, or not pay them a decent wage. Or they overlooked the cry of the poor and the helpless. And he says in verse 8, then when you do this, that's when the switch changes. That's when God flips the switch and he begins to change how things are going. He says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he'll say, here I am, am I. And if you do away with the yoke of, uh, of oppression and the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then you will rise in the darkness and the night will become like noonday. How many know when you're fixing something, it's better to have help? And that one of the things that God wants to do through us is to help our neighbor. Jesus talked about, uh, you know, the, what sums up the law and the prophets. And Jesus had these two responses. He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, to care for your neighbor, to take care of your neighbor. And I know that's been, like, overdone, and it's gone to, like, the side of socialism and whatever the case might be, that we solve all the world's problems. We have to recognize that God is the answer, but we can't not do any of that. You understand what I'm saying? 
Like, well, I'm not giving somebody a handout. They've got to work for it. Listen, we've all been at times where we've needed help. You know, when you were first married and you lived in an apartment and you had no, two nickels to scrape together. Or when you had your first child or your children and, and you recognized that you, know, you weren't making enough. Or maybe you lost your job and you were at times we were in a difficult situation. There are all times where we've gone through moments where we needed somebody to help us. So to turn our eye to that and to be blind to that or to have forgotten that as though it was long in the past is a terrible thing to do because we lose grace, we lose compassion, we lose empathy for people who are struggling and we need to get back to that. Isaiah's appeal is not just to fix a broken spiritual mindset but to fix what is broken in the community. They change their perspective to do good. When they do that, it will be a blessing not only to them but to all. And in verse 7, he says, you know, by, by fasting, by not spending money on food, he says, you take that and you buy food for the needy. You take that and you provide clothing for the, the naked or shelter for the oppressed. I thank God that we have like a benevolence fund here at the church and that we try and help those in need. We take it, uh, we receive an offering every month to do so. So that if someone comes to us, we can help them. And so he says, you know, fasting is not just a spiritual obligation. It's not just a ritual we do. But it's something that as you do it, you can actually use the funds that you have to bless the less fortunate and to do away with injustice and that which is oppressive in the community they live in. I have heard of churches that do this, that they actually, during their week of fasting and prayer, have people bring in groceries that week and then they give it to families in need. What the Lord is saying is instead of doing self-righteous rituals that make you seem righteous, why not do something that actually helps? And he says, when you do this, then I will listen to you. That healing, that protection that God provides, that guidance that you're looking for when you're saying, God, I need to know what to do, and where are you, God? And he says, here I am. He responds in that way. When we help one another, we build each other up and we build up those around us as well. And we ourselves are built up. God will hear our prayers and answer us. Last thought. Still with me? He talks a lot about fasting. It's not about fasting, okay? It's about what you do with fasting, okay? Number six, we fix broken things by restoring the things that have fallen down. Now, if you're in your house, like sometimes there's things that are falling apart literally around you. You know, siding coming off the side of the building, you know, posts rotting out on your porch, you know, things that need replacing, and things are literally falling apart around you. The way you fix that is by you look at that and you remove that which is unhealthy, you remove that which is damaged, and you say, okay, I'm going to replace that with something else. So you restore the things that have fallen down that have broken. Verses 11 and 12 says, when you do this, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden as a spring whose waters never fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up age-old foundations, and you'll be called a repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. So think about this, is that we think to ourselves, we can't do anything to help others because we don't have it ourselves. But a wonderful principle comes through in the scriptures that as we become a conduit for God's blessing, as we become someone that pours out instead of just taking in, then when God sees a vessel that is flowing in his gifts and generosity and compassion, guess where he chooses to put his resources? 
he puts it there. He says that you become the spring. You become renewed. You know, one of the frustrations of the people is that God doesn't notice us. Here we are fasting on the Day of Atonement, and God doesn't notice us. He doesn't answer us. He says, if you want me to notice you, and you want me to bless you, and want me to pour out my blessings on you, then be a blessing. As the book of Proverbs says, that he who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. That's the promise of God for God's people. We must realize that that's what he wants to do in us. As we help others, we connect that which is spiritual with what is tangible. God hears our prayers when we act and care for others. And refreshing takes place. And he says, you'll be known as someone that repairs broken things. I don't know about you, I want to be known as someone who repairs broken things. Not someone that goes smashing things, okay? Which, listen, there are people that are like bulls in china shops when it comes to relationships, friendships, and just even church environments. They bust through life, and they don't care who they roll over. And we can have strong personalities, but still be gentle. We can have strong opinions, but still be compassionate. Amen? That's something that we can do as Christians. That's something we can do as the church, that as we seek after God, as we follow after him, he will help us, and God will restore that which has been broken. And over this last year, We look at 2020, and we look at the testimony of Christians, and we look at the division in our country and in our world today, and there's things that need to be repaired. Repairing our witness. Repairing our reputation. Repairing broken friendships and family relationships, all because of political divides and differences of opinion. God doesn't want us to be in a place where we live that way but rather that we would rebuild walls. Not walls that separate, but walls that provide security. When he's talking about rebuilding the walls, he's talking about the city and making the city secure. So walls are a sense of security. And so do you bring security to a person's life? Are you uplifting them or are you tearing them down? It says also that you will be the restorer of streets. Streets are about access. It's about flow. It's about being able to connect with people. So as we allow God to change our broken thinking, to change the way our hearts are, to take it from just, I go to church and that's what I do, but I live how I want during the week. When we allow God to change that, we begin to open doors with people that were previously closed. And allows us to be a witness, allows us to be a light, allows us to show the love of God to those who need it. Do you believe that today? Do you know that God can do that? I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up as we get ready to close this service today. I don't know about you, but I want to be a bridge builder. I want to be someone who repairs broken things. In fact, that's, I feel like that's what God calls me to do, and there are so many times I feel so inadequate at that. You ever feel that way, that like God's giving you this heart for people, and you try and help them, and then there's like... There are times where nothing happens in their life. You feel like, gosh, I must be like a complete failure at this. I'm so bad at helping people because you don't see change in their life. Can I tell you today that that's not always your fault? That broken people sometimes stay broken because they've been through some things. And they have a mindset that may not always be willing to change. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't help people or we shouldn't try but that we should have compassion to help them anyway. Never stop loving and caring 
for your fellow Christians and your fellow man. Be a person that's willing to reach out and try and repair that which is broken. God has given you a heart for that. He's given you a willingness for that. But be a person that says, you know what, I'm going to keep doing that. Even when you've been burnt. Sometimes, like, I, did, I tried to help somebody and they, and they snapped at me. You know, they, they bit the hand that feed, fed me. They, they turned on me. And you know what, that's just human nature. That's the way people are. But it doesn't mean that you should stop helping people or stop caring. God wants us to be bridge builders, opening ways of access and communication. He wants us to be connectors and networkers. He wants us to restore loving relationships and to be faithful to him. And when we do that, God will meet us. When we do that, we'll see a newfound effectiveness to our prayers. When we do this, we'll start to see God moving things that have previously been bottled up and stuck. I believe that this year is the year that God wants to do that to restore that which has been broken and taken away in the last year. I believe that God can do that, not only for our church, but for you as well. Do you believe that today? Do you know that God can do it? Do you believe that he will do it? That's so important for your heart and life, to not only just believe that he can, but know that he will, and earnestly look forward to it. If we can just close our eyes for a moment. Maybe today God's speaking to you and you're in a place of brokenness. You're saying, God, I'm broke. Not like money broke, but you're broke like on the inside. God wants to fix what's broken inside. As he changes mindsets, as he changes the way you think and perceive things, the way you deal with one another, as he does that, then you'll experience his healing work in your heart. The way that you've been trying to do things hasn't worked. But God wants to bring about change in your life morning with heads bowed and eyes closed if you say pastor just pray for me i feel like i'm broken inside i need god's spirit to help me we just raise a hand right now and i'll pray for you say pastor that's me i feel like i'm broken and i need god's help to put me back together thank you anyone else lord help me to be put back together this morning as we think about what has been said in isaiah i think god's challenging us to be someone as a bridge builder, a repairer of walls, a repairer of broken people. This morning, as God's dealing with your heart, it's my prayer that you would be that person to someone in need. There may even be somebody that this week that God's going to lay on your heart to reach out and to help those who are hurting. Let's pair up our uh, willingness to do something for God with an actual fidelity and trust in him. Let's pair our prayer with purity, our prayer, our fasting with faithfulness. Let's really be about what God wants us to be about. Let's pray. God, I just thank you today that, Lord God, that you are so gracious and compassionate that even when something isn't right, you point it out to us, not so that we can be shamed, but that it can be corrected. I pray today, Lord, this year, that we would be better Christians, be better representations of you, that we would show the love of God at work in our hearts and lives, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we've said things against each other or against one another, where we've pointed fingers, where we've been hostile or difficult, or where we haven't lived right during the rest of the week. Lord, I pray today, oh God, that you would help each person to get closer to you 
And Lord, I pray as you shine the light on the things that need fixing, that Lord God, they wouldn't reject it or resist it, but they would be grateful for it and allow you to change them into the way they should be in order to represent you well. I pray, oh God, that you would just work in hearts, change lives, transform us into more, being more like your son. And as we see that at work within us, Lord, may we start to hear answers to prayer. May we see movement on the things that have been stuck before. I pray, Lord, this would be a year of breakthrough for so many people. May they be able to receive and restore that which has been lost in 2020. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.